Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. Those memorable moments when everyone listened to enjoy the make-believe world of radio. On this program, we are featuring Jack Benny, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, Ralph Edwards, and Ezra Stone, plus the comedy team of Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Again, we are originating our program from the studios of the Far East Network here in Tokyo. This is the fourth and last program that I'll be broadcasting from Tokyo. Next week, it's back to Hollywood. But for now, some more great moments from radio programs taken from the library of FEN. Before they decided to go their own separate ways, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis were a successful comedy team on radio, television, and motion pictures. Here's an excerpt from one of their radio shows in 1951. Folks, the one and only Jerry Lewis. How can something that looks so good on paper sound so bad when you say it? Why, you wouldn't have had this trouble, Jerry, if you showed up at rehearsal. Now, where were you? Oh, I, I went to see the Las Vegas story, that new picture with Victor Russell and Jane Mature. Now, you know you mean Victor Mature and Jane Russell. Well, maybe that Victor ain't Russell, but don't try and tell me that Jane ain't mature. <laughs> Nothing you can say will aggravate me tonight. I made up my mind. No more arguments. I refuse to fight with you. You mean you ain't gonna yell at me? That's right. No matter what I do? Uh-huh. No matter what I say? Yep. <laughs> what is it, Jerry? What's the matter? The chance of a lifetime comes along, and I ain't got one nasty thing to say. Oh, don't be silly, Jerry. You can think of something nasty. Come on, come on, think. Be you mean like, like a... Dean Martin is the man of whom Bing Crosby once said, Who's he? <laughs> see? See? I told you you can do it. Go ahead. Go, man. Go. Yeah. I told you. Go. Right. Go. Yeah. Yeah. You, right. you can do yeah. it. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Right. Some more. Some more. Yeah. Right. Dean Martin never really had his nose fixed. He just got tired of wearing two of them. Go on. Go on. Go Jerry. You just take a look at me. Nothing, nothing makes me mad anymore. The other day I ran into an idiot automobile mechanic, and if he didn't get me mad, no one will. <laughs> you told me about that. Hey, why don't we tell the audience about it? I'll play like I'm the crazy mechanic. All right. <laughs> well, folks, it all started when I was driving my little car up Sunset Boulevard, and I didn't notice it at first, but then gradually... Very quietly, I began to hear the faintest little knock in my engine. I uh, pulled into the first gas station I could find, going as easy as I could. <laughs> hey, let's have some service over here. Sure thing, buddy. You want me to inspect your butterfly valve, clevis pin, and gimbal joint? 
respect my clevis pen and gimbal. Oh no, look, I, I seem I seem to have a knock in my engine. Let me hear it. Start her up. Now that's funny. I, I don't hear it now. I wonder why it doesn't knock. Maybe it's going for gin. <laughs> I wish my girl was here. Why? Listen, it's playing our tune. <laughs> you know something? I find you completely obnoxious. Watch your language, fellow. There happens to be a ladies' washroom on the premises. <laughs> you know, I'll bet you never worked on a car before. Yeah, well, I'll never forget the first car I fixed. First, I had to remove the transmission cover, see? Next, I took out the shifter shafts and fork. Then I let the Reeny Rick drop the barometer loop. <laughs> Quick as a flash, I pinched the prongs on the main drive gear, loosened the universal prong pellets, and turned screw twist, and they wait. I found what was wrong with that car, buddy. Good heavens, what was it? A flat top. Flat top. <laughs> well, I've had enough of this, stupid. Are you going to fix my car, aren't you? Not me. I don't work on these foreign cars. But this is an Italian sports car. You can tell by the seat cover. Good heavens, they're made out of grated cheese. <laughs> They are not. And that's not a canvas top, it's a pizza. <laughs> Will you listen to... Tell the truth, is that a floor mat or a large ravioli? Hey! <laughs> now, suppose you fill my tank and let me get out of here. You do have gas, don't you? Yeah, I think it's from the ravioli. <laughs> well, I, I, I've, I've had just about enough of this. I'm gonna get out of here, but fast. <laughs> like that the darn fool forgot his car have you ever wondered how it would be to go to lunch with Jack Benny well Dennis Day and Bob Crosby found out as you will hear in this sequence from the Jack Benny program now Jack uh, I thought the rehearsal went well yes Bob it sounds like a real funny show yeah funny <laughs> And remember, fellas, next week's rehearsal has been changed to Friday. Oh, gee, that's, that's too bad. What's the matter, Bob? Well, I made an appointment to go up to Pebble Beach and play golf with my brother Bing. Bing who? <laughs> Bing Crosby. Name dropper. <laughs> Dennis, please. Bob, you can miss rehearsal. All right, kids, let's wait for the light to change before we cross the street. I'm going to cross. Hey, Don, the light's against you. Oh, I don't care. But, Don, here comes a big truck. He'll just have to take his chances like everybody else. <laughs> well, that's... Uh-oh, the light's changed. Come on, kids, let's cross. heaven's sake. Don, if I told you once, I told you a hundred times. Stop stepping on those MGs. <laughs> Walk over them. <laughs> Not funny. Now, come on. Let's all go in the drugstore. Hey, fellas, here's a vacant table over here. I'm right with you, Don. Yeah, this is fine. Let's see, where's the waitress? Oh, there she is. I'll call her. Oh, miss, miss. What do you want, Mac? <laughs> uh, 
We'd like to, uh, we'd like to order. Can we have some menus? We ain't got no menus. <laughs> now, how do we know what you're serving? It's painted on the window outside. You mean, before I can order something to eat, I have to walk all the way outside? Yeah, and if you're smart, you'll keep walking. <laughs> Well, I don't need a menu. All I want is a Swiss cheese sandwich and a glass of milk. Yeah, I'll have a chicken sandwich and coffee. Now, let's see. What do I want? Oh, a hell of an oyster malted milk. <laughs> Go ahead, miss. Bring the order. You mean you're going to let him eat that? Certainly. It may make him sick. <laughs> now, go ahead. Okay, I'll be right back with your food. Hey, wait a minute, miss. You forgot to take my order. Oh, yeah. What'll you have? Cinemascope. <laughs> Now, wait a minute, miss Why is it every time I come in here You make remarks about my being fat? Because you are fat Well, you can forget it once in a while Imagine you've seen fatter people than me Yeah, but I had to buy a ticket John, why don't you order and stop being so sensitive? Oh, okay Miss, I'll have a hot roast beef sandwich and mashed potatoes I'll be right back Don, I wouldn't argue with that girl if I were you. She's not just a waitress, you know. She's in pictures, too. Her last picture was Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. She was the gentleman. <laughs> Played it well, too. Here's your grub, boys. Oh, waitress. Yeah? Shouldn't there be some gravy on these mashed potatoes? There was, but after three days, it soaks in. <laughs> Don, don't start anything. Let's just eat what we've got if we can eat now. Okay. Say, I'd like a little music while we're having lunch. Miss, if I gave you a dime, would you put it in the jukebox? If you gave me a dime, I'd do a floor show myself. In 1940, radio announcer Ralph Edwards came up with a novel idea. He took the old parlor game, Truth or Consequences, and turned it into one of the most successful radio programs of the century. Here, with Ralph Edwards, is radio's Henry Aldridge, Ezra Stone. See, Ralph, I, you know, I wish I were a quiz master like you. Well, Ezra Stone, I don't see why you can't. You certainly have the two necessary ingredients. You have poise and personality. Yeah, that's me, old poison personality stone. <laughs> but, uh, Ezra, would you really like to try your hand at doing a quiz show? Oh, sure. It sounds like a lot of fun and so easy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hi, gang. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, it's nice to be standing here tonight looking into your faces. And believe me, a lot of your faces can stand looking into. <laughs> Now we're ready for our first contestant. I have a gentleman in the front row, Doctor. Very good, very good. And to that gentleman in the front row for one silver dollar. Answer true or false? False. Right. Give that man one silver dollar. <laughs> ah, we've got an intelligent audience tonight. And now for our next contestant. I have a gentleman in the third row, Doctor. Two dollars. Two silver dollars to that gentleman if he can answer this question true or false. The Empire State Building is in Los Angeles. Oh, that's a silly question, Doctor. Yes, I guess it is. Give that gentleman two silver dollars. <laughs> sure. Everybody knows it's in Los Angeles. <laughs> and now for our next question, we go up to... What happened? I have a balcony on the lady, Doctor! <laughs> the best things in life are free. It's time to twist the dial again and start another game. The band will play a song and all you do is guess the name. 
You win a prize no matter if your guess is right or wrong. So when the phone begins to ring, it's time for Stop the Song. All right, ladies and gentlemen, ready to play the mystery tune of the week. Our operator is now busy dialing the number of some lucky person who, in a few moments, will get the chance to Stop the Song. Stop the song! Stop the song! Stop the song! Yes, sir, stop the song! The show that gives you the really fabulous prizes. Listen to this lineup of prizes. First prize, a Hickok belt and buckle. And if you don't win... He wasn't wearing one and his pants fell down. What was that you said, sir? Uh, first prize, a Hickok belt and buckle. And if you don't wear this belt, your pants will buckle. Second prize, a genuine Westinghouse garbage disposer. Third prize, a five-year supply of garbage. Fourth prize, and for the fourth prize, a beautiful new Nash. It opens up into two bedrooms and a den. But a luxury ride to New York on the famous Santa Fe Super Chief. And when you get there, you can keep the train. <laughs> There's more. A genuine mink coat from I.J. Fox plus a genuine fox coat from I.J. Mink. <laughs> also, we set you up in a fully equipped tire store. You'll be making money hand over fist. Time to retire, my boy. <laughs> and here we go with our first telephone call. Hello. <laughs> she was right there, wasn't she? <laughs> Sounds like a setup. You know, should give it more. Hello. Is this Mrs. Penelope Schwartz of Brooklyn, New York? You were expecting maybe Mrs. Nussbaum. <laughs> Mrs. Schwartz, can you tell us the name of the mystery tune? I'm just wild about herring. I'm sorry But it must be I'm even recognizing the orchestra Well then, what orchestra do you think it is? Benny Goodman's You should pardon the expression <laughs> Sextet <laughs> No, no, I'm sorry, Mrs. Schwartz But for being at home Though you missed your tries You still win the consolation prize Something you always treasure and save Do you know what it is? Yeah By my shape <laughs> Back now to Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis as we hear them in this sequence with motion picture star Tony Curtis. Uh, it's good to see you, Dean. It's good to see you, Tony. Uh, I've sure been looking forward to being on your show, Dean. I'm, I've sure been looking forward to having you uh, here, Tony. Hey, Dean, when are the writers coming back from vacation? <laughs> Tony, I guess you know that uh, this is Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis, huh? Are you any relation to John L. Lewis? Why do you ask? The top of your head looks like one of his eyebrows. <laughs> so what? The top of your head looks like someone slept on it. 
Hey, Tony, do you? Jerry, uh, Tony, Jerry, Jerry, listen, Tony. Jerry! Tony Curtis is a big movie star. Why can't you treat him with respect? Big movie star? I wouldn't go see him in the movies if he was Gregory Peck, Clark Gable, and Montgomery Cliff all rolled into one. Why not? I want to see a man with six legs. <laughs> hey, Tony, uh, I understand you just returned from a European trip. That's right, Gino. I was down my honeymoon. Oh, boy, a honeymoon. Who'd you go with? <laughs> I went with my wife, of course. Oh, that's too bad. Well, what's too bad about it? Honeymoon is such fun. Why louse it up by taking the girl? <laughs> Jerry, I, uh, I don't mind if you act a little crazy with me, but can't you calm down a little when we have uh, company? I'm sorry. Billy, Tony, it's very nice you could come and be with us on the show. Because we've always wanted you as a guest. And now that you're here, we feel real good about it, Tony, and... Dean. What? We couldn't get a girl? No. <laughs> I was hoping we'd get someone like Janet Lee. I saw her yesterday. Wowee, zippity-doo-dah, ba-boom, boom, boom. That girl, Janet Lee, wowee, zippity-doo-dah, ba-boom, boom, boom, happens to be my wife. Don't kid me, buddy. Janet Lee's married to Tony Curtis. Jerry, this is Tony Curtis. Dean, you're so naive. <laughs> Not naive, that's naive <laughs> boys, but the, this three-cornered rat race is supposed to lead into a sketch. Well, that sounds fine. What kind of a sketch are we going to do? We thought it would make you feel right at home with one of those swashbuckling roles you've been playing, like the prince who was a thief and the son of Alabad. I'm ready when you are. Good. Now, let's put on our turbans while Jimmy Wallington tells us all about it. Ladies and gentlemen, we have all thrilled to the wonderful stories from the Arabian Nights. Tonight, Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, and Tony Curtis shall enact one of the little-known stories from this famous book. Our story is called The Legend of the Magic Lamp, or Rudolph, the Red-Nosed Genie. <laughs> Our scene is the fabulous palace of the mighty Sultan Abu Ben Adam. His son, Prince Ali, is strolling in the garden. And now, here is the Sultan's other son, Prince Abdul. Greetings, O oh fair, handsome, and charming son of our father, the Sultan. I am Prince Abdul. Greetings, O oh tall, strong, and talented son of father, the Sultan. I am Prince Ali. Greetings. I am from the draft board. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really have a line here, but I figured I'd throw a scare into it. <laughs> Abdul, the city of Baghdad is before us like a pearl. What adventure shall we see? Let's go peek into the Sultan's harem. That's no fun. I peeked in the father's harem yesterday. What'd you see? Father. Father. <laughs> the Sultan's temper is violent lately, and he gives me no money. I do not understand. He gives you no money because, in the words of the prophet, Magdu Simitari Mar Tabu Akbar. Oh, I see, but what does that mean? The check is late from Standard Oil. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Look yonder in the palace trash pile. Do you see what I see? Spectre of an eyelash. It's an old lamp. Quick, pick up the lamp. It is the magic one. How do you know this? I looked on the next page. <laughs> it's so dusty. Perhaps if I polished it, I can rub off the... Don't, don't rub it. Hark! A voice from inside the lamp. What are you doing in there? 
Dad wanted a wig. Oh. <laughs> I'll rub the lamp and get him out. You can light the lamp, but don't rub it. <laughs> Please hold the lamp, stroke it, but don't rub it. I'm gonna rub it. for releasing me from the lamp. <laughs> How long you been in there? It'll be 3,000 years next Thursday. <laughs> you must indeed be old. Are you kidding? I can remember back when we had a Republican Sultan. <laughs> Explain to me, Jeannie. You are eight feet tall and this lamp stands only six inches high. How did you ever get in there? You promised not to tell? We promised. How did you get in the lamp? I lied about my height. Oh. <laughs> I see. And tell me, Jeannie, why are you whispering? I'm a little ashamed of the joke. Oh. <laughs> Old brother to a triple-tongued consul. <laughs> Can it be that you are the genie I've been dreaming of? Oh, father of a worm, brother of a rick and uncle of a wheel. Command <laughs> me and I shall do your bidding. You will do our bidding how? Like this. Two spades. Three hearts. Oh, love. I double. Hey, you can't come up, though. It is foolish to stand here with this ugly genie. I would rather be tied to the razorback of a green-eyed serpent and thrown against the jagged rocks below. How about you, Prince Ali? Where would you rather be? Well, I guess it's my turn. I'd rather be home with Janet. <laughs> but, Ali, why don't we have a hundred wives like our father, the Sultan? A hundred wives? Good heavens. Can't you just see the towels in that house? His and hers and hers and hers. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio and our last program from the studios of the Far East Network here in Tokyo. It's been a memorable experience to broadcast from one of the flagship stations of the American Forces Radio and Television Service. You know, a program like this involves many people, and thanks are in order. To my engineers, Ken Sanders and Bill Edgeworth, and to Valerie St. Ange, who keeps everything in order. A special thanks to John Buey, Director of Programming for FEN, and our host during these past few programs. John's got this network under control. A heartfelt thank you. You know, it's been 25 years since the Far East Network first went on the air. 25 years of beaming programs to American service personnel and their families in Asia. It's a touch of home, and then some. Radio has made tremendous strides in the past 25 years, and FEN has kept pace with the changing times. No one knows what the next 25 years will bring, but one thing is certain. The American Forces Far East Network will be there as long as there's an American soldier in uniform keeping the peace. This is Frank Brzee, inviting you to join me next week for more from the golden days of radio. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.